a late July evening in L.A., a Boeing 747, and one of the strangest sentences you'll ever hear, possible jetpack man in sight. That's what the pilot reported to air traffic control, and it wasn't the first time either. The response of the air traffic controller was telling. The jetpack guy is back. Pilots approaching Los Angeles International Airport had seen this before. In fact, this was the third sighting in less than a year. And it shouldn't be possible. Jetpacks are both rare, they're expensive. Using one unseen by everyone except airline pilots is a real trick. The FBI is investigating. And they do have a theory. Maybe it's just a balloon. Yes, a balloon in the shape of a person who has been reported floating above the city in recent months. Maybe time will tell. Mysteries are part of life. But the greatest mystery is now revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And this is a program called The Living Nativity. Echoes. Echoes. That's what we've been thinking about this week and last week on Haven Today. Echoes from the Old Testament rippling into the New Testament, and especially rippling into the story of Christ's birth 2,000 years ago. Over the last few days, we've heard about the wise men and their gifts to the new king of the Jews. But then a word appears in the story that takes us back, Egypt. Those of us who've read through the Old Testament have spent a lot of time in Egypt, haven't we? Well, the Christmas story includes Egypt as well. And the strange part is... Egypt becomes a refuge for the Son of God. Stick around to hear these echoes from Egypt in the living Christmas story that's all about Jesus. And speaking of the story of Christmas, I'm curious if you've started thinking about how you'll point your loved ones, especially the children around you, to Jesus this Christmas season. If we don't start planning now, soon Santa and Rudolph and Frosty the Snowman will start edging in. Here's an idea for you. Instead of talking about snowmen looking for their magic hats this year, why not talk about wise men searching for Jesus? And the manger mission can help you do that. We asked one of the co-creators to explain exactly what this family tradition is all about. The manger mission is a child-led, play-based, Jesus-focused family Christmas tradition that includes a hardback children's book that tells the story both of the tradition and of the original wise men in scripture. It also includes a wooden nativity set coordinating with the illustrations in the book, and the the set has been tested for child safety. Let me add that the Manger Mission's wooden nativity set is colorful, it's cute, and the kids around you in your life are really going to enjoy sending the wise men to the farthest point in their home and helping them move towards Jesus every day. After this program, I want to give you an opportunity to support Haven today by sending you a set of the Manger Mission for your gift to the ministry. And as our thank you, we'll send the Manger Mission box set with both the storybook and the woodblock nativity. Our number to call in a few minutes is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us online. Watch the short video we have that shows families using it, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And just before we open with some music, 
We still have The Chosen TV show, Seasons 1 and 2, for your gift to the ministry as well. Now let's get started. Here's Laura's story. The winds of change were blowing on the hillside As heaven whispered love is on his way All creation held its breath in great anticipation As a here, the voice of Laura Story opening this haven today in a program called The Living Nativity. I'm Charles Morris. 
Echoes. Echoes. I mentioned that word as we began our time together today. Echoes from the Old Testament resounding into the New Testament. And these echoes are heard even today, 2,000 years after Christ was born. Egypt is one of those echoes. And it's so fascinating how the Christmas story includes this country that once suppressed God's people. But in the Christmas story, the Son of God finds refuge there. When the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. The wise men had seen the child and worshipped him. But now Joseph was warned in a dream that Herod wanted to kill the young Messiah. It's the same thing that happened to the wise men. God made sure they didn't tell Herod the exact location of Jesus. This new king the wise men welcomed was far better than Herod. A few days ago, we saw a little bit about Herod's brutality. But who was Herod, really? It's quite simple. He was a Roman, a Greek, a Jew, and an Arab. Well, maybe it isn't so simple after all. Here to explain this once again is the late Middle Eastern scholar, Dr. Kenneth Bailey. Herod was a very peculiar fellow. In his early days, he was a very, very noble figure, a very complex person. He started off racially, he was an Arab. His father was from an Arab tribe in the southern part of the Holy Land called Edumia. His mother was from Petra, which was the capital of the Nabataean kingdom, which was an Arab tribe of the northern part of Arabia. So racially, he was pure Arab. He had one brother whose name was Faisal. He had another brother whose name was Yusuf. He had a sister whose name was Salama. All of them perfect Arab names. The only one with the Greek name was Herod. Then secondly, he was religiously Jewish. The tribe of Arabs in the south, the Idumeans, from which his father came, had been co conquered by the Maccabeans, a Jewish uh, family of royalty had conquered southern Palestine about 165 B.C., and in the process, his tribe just kind of became Jewish. Then he was culturally Greek. We're not quite sure how that happened, but there was a lot of Greek culture in lots of powerful families, and obviously his family was one of them. Greek was his first language, and the culture of the house was Greek, and he did lots of things to sort of Hellenize the city of Jerusalem. And then politically, he was Roman. Well, now, by the time you get a fellow that's got those four combinations, he's a very complex fellow, racially Arab, religiously Jewish, culturally Greek, and politically Roman. Let's pause Dr. Bailey there for a moment. Religiously, Herod was Jewish, but that didn't mean he was accepted by the Jews. In fact, he was noted for various attempts to turn Jerusalem into a Greek city. But around 135 B.C., a Jewish ruler had made his grandfather the governor of the region. And Herod's family had been in control ever since. That didn't make him loved by the people, though. In fact, his family beautified the temple in Jerusalem, probably as a way to curry the favor of the Jews they ruled. But still, this family was seen as a group of rulers who conspired with the hated Romans and were Jews in name only. This lack of acceptance by the people seemed to be a factor in Herod becoming more and more paranoid and even more brutal. 
He had 10 different wives at different times, and he saw his sons as nothing other than political rivals. Once again, Dr. Kenneth Bailey. Whenever he ran out of money, he would arrest a half a dozen people, torture wealthy people, torture them till he found out where their money was hidden, and then he would have them killed, uh, having been accused of trying to foment political disturbances. And then he would confiscate their property because they were traitors. And he made a lot of money that way. In, in, in essence, he was really a very, very evil character in his last days. His last order before he died was, round up 10,000 notables across the country and put them into the stadium in Jericho, and when I die, kill them, because I want there to be weeping in the land when I die, and I know darn well they're not going to weep over me. Well, the troops rounded up 10,000 people, but they didn't kill them because, you know, they just knew that this was ridiculous. Well, this kind of a man, it's very understandable that in his last days, he could have done something as terrible as slaughtering the babies of Bethlehem. This is Haven Today and a program called The Living Nativity. We're going to go back to Dr. Bailey one more time, but knowing what he just said makes it less surprising, but no less evil. Herod ordered the murder of the baby boys in Bethlehem. That's what Matthew tells us in his gospel. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now we can ask, why include this story? Well, the answer may surprise us. The Apostle Matthew was presenting Jesus as the new Moses. Remember, Moses was born in the midst of a similar atrocity, the slaughter of the baby boys of the Hebrews. But God rescued him and called him as the deliverer of his people. And after Herod died and an angel told Joseph it was safe to return, Matthew includes these words, And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. That's a quotation from the prophet Hosea. Originally, it referred to the Exodus, when God called his son Israel out of slavery in the land of Nile. But Israel was disobedient. And now it had another meaning, an even better meaning. God's true, obedient son was here. And he was going to lead his people through a better Exodus. He was going to rescue them from sin and death. If the gospel of Jesus Christ can go out in a world that includes the slaughter of babies and the cross, then it can go out anywhere. It's still good news, even in the midst of evil and heartbreak. Dr. Kenneth Bailey lived in the Middle East for decades, and he saw many wars with unnumbered casualties. But through it all, he never lost his faith. And here's why. People keep saying to me, you know, Ken, how do you, how do you keep your faith? after seven wars over 35 years? And my answer is very simply, I remember the Christmas story. I remember the cross. At the birth of Jesus, there was a bloody atrocity, as bad as any bloody atrocity that any evil men any time in all of history have ever perpetrated. I am not amazed at the evil of the human person.
I am not undone when I see it. I am not surprised when I find it. When I experience it, I say to myself, well, yes, of course, it's called sin. That's what the Messiah is all about. And how does the story end? It ends on a cross in which this young man, 33 years of age, the most beautiful person who was ever born and who did nothing but love his friends and his neighbors and his enemies, and he is slowly tortured to death for six hours because Roman crucifixion was the most horrible way to die. The nail was not driven through the hands because all of this part of the body was called the hand in Greek, and we know that the nails were driven right through the wrist and all the nerves go through the wrist. A horrible, horrible way to die. And so a story that ends with the slaughter of young babies just born and ends up with this beautiful pe person being tortured to death on a cross. I am not undone. I am not amazed. I do not come apart. And if that's the way his life begins and that's the way it ends, we have some idea as to why he's come and the reason for his life and for his death. And at the very beginning, we have a picture of the kind of evil which his sacrificial life has the power to wash away. And in this, we remember again both Christmas and Easter. One last time with Dr. Kenneth Paley. And you know what? Even Egypt, the longtime enemies of God's people, will see this Messiah in his glory. Dr. Paley was actually born and raised in Egypt as the son of missionary parents. We learn that Egypt would become God's people too. Isaiah prophesied about the time when Christ would come and the gospel would go out to the Gentiles. And at that time, the Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. The gospel of Jesus is powerful enough to turn enemies into brothers and sisters. And that's a message we need desperately in our world today, wouldn't you say? Evil and sin have continued to the present day, but yet there is still hope. After all, even today, there are Christians in Egypt, the ancient enemy and oppressor of God's people. What a God we serve. What a Savior we have in Jesus. We in darkness deep now see the light of morning the mighty God the Prince of Peace a child to us is born behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin
Peterson, Behold the Lamb, and that's the title of the album that it's taken from here on this Haven Today. Looking at the wise men this week has really helped me better understand the greater story of Christmas. Jesus came to save his people from their sins, both Jew and Gentile alike. And these wise men who came from afar were the first outsiders who came to know Jesus. Wow, what a picture of the gospel. And you can share this story in your home or in the home of your loved ones when you make a gift to Haven Today. Now, some have asked, what exactly is the manger mission? How does it work? Well, picture in your mind a family sitting around in their living room, maybe even a warm fire crackling in a fireplace or a wood stove, Christmas carols playing in the background, and someone brings out a beautiful dark green box and opens the lid, and inside this box are several items, including an illustrated storybook that tells the story of the wise men's journey to Christ. And right up front, it talks about how the wise men showed up after the birth of Jesus. But this family also finds a colorful 12-piece wooden nativity set that's perfect for kids of all ages to play with. They set it up, and there's the manger. They put Mary and Joseph next to Jesus, the shepherds, sheep, all there. But then the activity begins. The children grab the wise men and try to find the furthest they can get away from the manger in their home with them. And then the family reads the story and talks about why Jesus came and how he called outsiders like the shepherds, as well as the wise men, to worship him. Each day, The children move the pieces even closer to Jesus as the reason for the season is shared. I hope that sounds delightful. It does to me, and that's why my wife and I are sending it to our two youngest grandkids this year. We're also using a set at our home without any children. I know many are doing the same thing, like Karen in Michigan, who asked us to send multiple sets directly to her loved ones. And we can do the same for you. We have them in our warehouse And right now is the perfect time because we're offering free shipping. What about you? Get ready to take your loved ones on the manger mission. And to start, you need to just call us right now at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go watch that video on our websites where families play with the manger mission. Just click on the manger mission resource to find the video. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And yes, we still have The Chosen, Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD for your generosity. Get a set for yourself to enjoy. Get one to give away to someone this Christmas who needs to learn more about this Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for meeting up with me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? And again, we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven today. 
Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you could run a study that measured how many words a household says in a day, the ones with children would top the list. That's just the way it is. Children love to talk and play. Parents are playing catch-up all day. But the Lord, our Heavenly Father, always gets the last word. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Matthew 17, 5. The Lord has spoken the final word, Christ. We love to talk. We love to fill our day with our own voice. But the Father has given us his word. Pay attention to Jesus. Fill your day with his word. He will bring you hope and salvation. Focus on him and your joy will overflow. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.